Hello everybody, this is really module four, even though in a few moments you'll see a um, slide that says module three. We do a lot of editing and uh, we're not very good at it, but I think we're effective. So uh, rest assured that we're going to be dealing with uh, uh, observations of behavior versus recall of a behavior in the readings by Stange et al. and Vitsum. Thanks. Hello everybody, now we move to module three and this module is entitled Interviews versus Observations. And here we um, are engaged in um, reading two different uh, studies that look at uh, the differences in results uh, by comparing direct observation of what would happen in a particular circumstance compared to interviews. And so these uh, recall versus observational studies, uh, we surely need uh, many more of these kinds of studies uh, in order to, I think, largely uh, improve the quality of, uh, of interviews for gaining uh, reliable um, data through, uh, through interviews. And so the first setting is, uh, is a medical setting, uh, and it's uh, authored by Stange et al. And basically, it's a comparison of direct observations, the so-called gold standard, by nurses compared to patients and doctors who are uh, interviewed uh, shortly after uh, they've interacted with one another and are asked to recall uh, what went on, what recommendations were made, what diagnostic procedures were recommended or planned, and discussion of um, health care and preventative um, um, measures that patients could uh, take and the, the interaction between doctor and patient in general. Uh, the second one is uh, in something that is more familiar to to us as anthropologists, the ethnographic uh, setting in an Andean uh, uh, village. It's by uh, Elizabeth Bitsum, and it looks at uh, nursing or breastfeeding. And once again, uh, what the, the goal is is to compare um, direct observations that she made uh, compared to uh, interviews she conducted with. Uh, women in terms of the uh, frequency and duration and, and time of day of, uh, of nursing uh, of their children. And so to a large extent, um, the goal of such um, uh, research is to really improve survey methods. Uh, survey methods through interviews uh, are a lot uh, easier to do. Uh, they're much more efficient in terms of time. Uh, they kind of avoid the problem of um, obtrusiveness, that is, uh, do people change their behavior uh, while you're observing uh, their behavior? And uh, so, uh, again, uh, we need uh, more of these kinds of studies. So next we'll move to uh, slide uh, two. And now, uh, Stange et al., they note that there's this issue of the quality of delivery of outpatient medical care. Uh, and so, to kind of look at this broad um, um, kind of measure of, um, of quality of mental care, there's a combination of direct observations um, you, uh, employed by nurses compared to patient surveys, physician questionnaire, insurance claims, medical record review, or the notes that doctors uh, record post-treatment. And uh, what they note is that direct observation is expensive and intrusive, but at the same time, uh, the goal is to find out weaknesses in the standard uh, survey reports 
uh, from, from patients and, and doctors. So to improve methods um, such as surveys to get uh, better uh, data. Um, and they note that the literature has shown that physicians tend to over-report their delivery of preventive services when compared with medical record review or with even patient surveys. So there's a kind of uh, disjunction there. Uh, in general, medical records tend to underreport delivery of services compared to uh, observations. And so, again, we have an underreporting in the very medical records uh, compared to what um, um, nurses were able to observe and record uh, in uh, previous studies. Um, and, for example, there's a widespread disagreement in uh, COPD. Uh, there's only a, a 36 concordance between what nurses observe and what medical uh, records um, show. And then ph physicians typically over-report on uh, cancer uh, screening services compared to uh, surveys uh, taken by um, patients. So there's this kind of disagreement, uh, lack of uh, concordance, as we'll learn a little bit later through the uh, Kappa statistics about you know what's going on in terms of the delivery of medical services. Obviously, if patients are to be well served, we have to make sure that uh, they are being uh, communicated to effectively, uh, and the uh, uh, doctors also need to understand exactly what they've told their patients so they can uh, do better uh, when they uh, see them on, on follow-up. So uh, talk about the need uh, for this kind of research. Uh, researchers and administrators need to know the most valid method for measuring the delivery of different services. And so this is all about assessment, which is really important in the medical field. And again, a great example of how uh, behavior observations, uh, either through um, uh, subjects or researchers, uh, are a really important part of this process. Uh, users of medical literature need to know the accuracy of the measures being used to interpret and apply the finding of studies of physician practice. So if we're going to improve uh, physician practices, then uh, we have to know what kind of job uh, they're doing in terms of um, asking questions and communicating information to, uh, to patients. Um, here's the setup of the study. Uh, there's concern about uh, what is known as the Hawthorne effect. Now, the Hawthorne effect uh, was a noted uh, in early industrial sociological uh, research where the presence of an observer uh, taking notes had an effect on the performance of the workers. They worked uh, more efficiently um, when observers were there than when they weren't there. So there's a concern about this and they describe how they uh, think they're confident about um, the degree to which it was overcome. Um, physicians were told um, multiple methods would be used but not the study goals. So to some extent, the, the physicians were blinded uh, to the kind of general goals of the study uh, in hopes that they would not um, uh, bias their behavior, behave differently uh, compared to normal circumstances given the study uh, was going on. And patients uh, were simply told to ignore the nurse. Uh, that is, they didn't know that um, they, later there would be a questionnaire uh, and uh, that the nurses were taking down information why they um, uh, were um, uh, being examined and, and, and counseled by the doctor. And also it describes the um, training of the nurses uh, to make sure that the uh, information they recorded was consistent from nurse to nurse. Uh, and so 
Uh, again, the gold standard of the nurse observers who were experts, they used a, a checklist of the modified DOCS uh, protocol, which I'll, I'll show you next, just to give you an idea of the sorts of behaviors they're looking for uh, when they're investigating this area uh, of, of their expertise. And DOCS stands for uh, Davis Observational Codes, um, uh, written by a physician, obviously, by the name of Davis. And um, that information in checklist form was recorded every 15 seconds, even though it says 15 second uh, on my PowerPoint. And so, you know, here are a list of, of these sorts of, um, whether uh, interaction was structure, structured, history taking, pretty standard, family information, background in terms of uh, problems that other family members or parents may have had. And it goes on and on and on. We don't have to go over the details here, but I just want to kind of give you in the next few slides an idea of how, you know, well considered this research is in terms of uh, making sure that all the relevant behaviors are being recorded. You know, the doctor do A, B, C, D, etc., etc., etc. Doctors obviously don't have to do all these things depending on the patient, uh, but again the goal is to compare uh, what the nurses saw and recorded to what the physicians later recorded or uh, that the patients, uh, when they were surveyed after uh, the meeting, uh, remembered uh, in terms of what was going on, especially uh, when they made recommendations about uh, taking care of, of, of one's health. And so then we have compliance, um, health education, health promotion, nutrition, exercise, basic uh, health um, uh, behavior cluster, and then it goes on to uh, addiction and patient activation uh, cluster. Again, uh, in important possible questions um, that might be um, um, uh, followed up by the uh, physician in his discussion with the, um, uh, the patient, and then preventive service and counseling uh, cluster. And uh, so um, what we have is uh, additional comparative data collected for uh, comparisons. Uh, we have the direct ob observation checklist of services um, uh, delivered, created by the nurses, compared to a medical record review, patient exit questionnaire, billing data obviously has that information, so a physician's questionnaire, and also I find this kind of intriguing and interesting ethnographic field notes. And so um, it's interesting because uh, they know that this kind of research, close, careful, nuanced uh, observation by people who are knowledgeable is what ethnographers do uh, when they're in the field. So this is a bit of a recognition of the utility of the kinds of participant observation uh, methods uh, and how we get to know our, um, um, our, our subjects uh, in anthropology. It is filtered over into anthropology, uh, into uh, medical research. Uh, the results, um, Take a look at the CAPA statistics. We'll be talking about this a little, a little bit uh, more, but this is essentially uh, a measure of statistical concordance or agreement in terms of does one record also have the identical observation and in, as in another record? So do the nurse's questionnaire or, or nurse's checklist compare with the um, uh, patient survey or the doctor's survey? And uh, there are a couple different measures, sensitivity, and uh, specificity. Again, we'll kind of look at that in a little bit more detail later on, but 
this all has to do with what we call inter-rater reliability, uh, either among nurses, and, and, and again a lot of research, excuse me, a lot of practice was done in the study to make sure that the, the nurses were in agreement, but now we can use the statistic to talk about uh, whether the results from uh, nurses or from um, doctor survey or patient surveys, what kind of concordance they, uh, they have. Uh, and in case you're wondering about uh, Kappa scales, uh, if the um, agreement, for example, is, 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 is 41 uh, to 60 percent, it's a moderate agreement, uh, 61 to 80 is substantial, 81 to 100 percent, almost perfect. Um, there's no statistical justification uh, for these terms here. They're all arbitrary, uh, but nevertheless, it's in the literature and someone says there's substantial kappa uh, 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 correlation between um, uh, two different raters um, or multiple raters, uh, then this is what it means. Uh, but I wouldn't put much weight um, on these terms, moderate, substantial, or almost perfect. Um, but anyway, it's, it's out there in the, uh, in the literature. Uh, here are some conclusions drawn from the study. Medical record review is preferable to patient questionnaires for variables uh, for which there are limitation in patient's understanding or knowledge of what the physician did during uh, the encounter. Um, I suppose this is to be uh, expected, uh, but still it's perhaps a little bit troubling in that uh, patients didn't fully understand what was being uh, done to them. Uh, most health habit uh, counseling is poorly documented in the medical record, but is reliably reported by the, by the patient. So I suppose that's heartening in that they're listening to what the doctor um, said in terms of habits to improve their, uh, their health. But again, you know, we're looking at these discordances that, um, that go on using the gold standard as the kind of um, uh, master uh, background. Um, the bottom line here for the study, and this is a quote from the uh, uh, paper, this information will be useful for readers of the medical literature and understanding previously published work by calling into question studies that draw conclusions based on measurement methods that our study has shown to be insensitive to the delivery of particular services. Uh, in addition, the data will be useful for quality managers and for researchers who need to choose the best non-observational method for measuring the delivery of particular medical services. And note what they say there, the best non-observational method for measuring the delivery of particular medical services. How do we know what the best non-observational method, that would be a survey method, like a patient survey or a doctor survey, that is the one that came closest to agreement to the gold standard or the uh, direct observation. So, uh, the goal really is not is, is to look for ways to try and improve these non-observational um, um, uh, approaches uh, because observational approaches are very expensive. Uh, nurses, you know, make a good salary and do have them an extra one around all the time it is really um, not um, not optimal for uh, studies that want to focus on delivery of medical services. Um, <coughs> Let's turn to Virginia Vitsum and protect, uh, perhaps a kind of uh, uh, ethnographic city more familiar to most of you. Uh, and uh, she's comparing uh, observations and reports. Uh, and so we're dealing with uh, a Highland Andean people um, where infants are fed on demand for two years. That is, 
infant feeding is not scheduled, let's say every four hours, uh, the infant typically has easy access to the breast and cries or makes a motion towards the breast and then it's um, fed. And also in this population, uh, weaning is, um, is slow. And so that's the kind of background. And so um, there's been an awful lot of research that look at nursing and that data collected is based on uh, surveys and, and questionnaires at the end of the day or every other day or something of that nature in terms of how frequently a child was fed, how long it was fed, um, and things of that nature. And so it's a really uh, important issue in, in biomedical anthropology that has to do with uh, infant health and growth, um, parental responsiveness to infant needs and, and a whole variety of different topics. Um, and so here's kind of the design element. Uh, she looked at 30 women with, with children less than three years of age. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, presumably, because it's not really clear in this report, mothers are asked, how many times during the day do you give uh, this child the breast? And then a second question for how much time at each occasion? Well, it might be easy to, and here's perhaps a, a bit of a flaw in the study, how many times during the day uh, do you give this child the breast? They could remember that. Uh, for how much time? Well, it depends on uh, how accustomed they are to um, uh, minutes and hours uh, in terms of how we measure it. So, but this nevertheless is a standard me uh, method for such survey. In fact, I was reading a piece, um, I forget where, maybe American Journal of Physical Anthropology about a year ago uh, that cited this in study, but, uh, and even though as we're going to find out, this in study found that mothers were not very reliable in indicating the frequency um, and the duration of, um, of, of breastfeeding. This scholar went on and used that method anyway to show, for example, that uh, mothers who were, had high status tended to nurse their boys for longer than their girls, uh, kind of um, uh, providing evidence for a particular theoretical position. And as I read it, I thought, you know, given you've known that this uh, survey showed that you know, this piece of research showed this wasn't a good idea. You went ahead and did it anyway. Well, the thing is easier to ask than to uh, uh, to observe. Um, ten women were selected for observations, um, and they had previously participated in in this kind of research before. And 98% of the nursing, another point, was initiated by babies cry. Uh, morning or afternoon observations lasting three to four hours of continuous observation. Now, what we have here is, we've talked about scans before, uh, but in this case, uh, they're looking at um, uh, the behavior uh, on a minute-by-minute minute, uh, continuous kind of time frame. And so, um, they have these sorts of intervals of lasting three to four hours in the morning in the afternoon where they actually observe the um, uh, mother's nursing. So there are a total of 86 observations and if you uh, multiply uh, 86 by 3 to 4 hours you can see that there was quite a bit of effort put into uh, this, uh, this study and it gives you also an indication of the costliness of collecting this kind of, uh, of data. And um, since this was a, a, a continuous observation like a video camera, uh, there are various sorts of um, uh, time duration uh, elements. Uh, uh, the event started with the nipple in the mouth. Episodes have to do 
with one or more events, that is, that the child could stop nursing um, and then uh, begin to nurse again and stop and begin, etc. And then a session can um, consist of uh, one or more of these episodes. And then the intercession is, um, so the session is, is the kind of macro uh, measure of, as it could be, consist of events and, and that are built into episodes uh, to sessions, which um, essentially end when the nursing does end uh, for good. And then the intercession is essentially the time between sessions. That is, if you're observing someone for three to four hours, uh, the infant uh, um, uh, nurses for, let's say, a half hour or 20 minutes, stops for an hour, then nurses again. That uh, interval between those two sessions would be the uh, intercession. Um, comparisons. So we have this, these, these reports from mothers, and then we have these direct observations. So the uh, daily frequency of nursing is unrelated to infant uh, age in both studies. And that's good agreement there. Uh, the duration of feeding was unrelated to infant age in the report study, but not in the observational study. So age turned out to be a powerful effect in terms of duration of feeding, how long the child nursed. Uh, but it um, uh, had no role to play, age that is, uh, in the uh, um, uh, report study. Um, and she, she points out that accuracy commonly refers to both validity and reliability. Validity is the correspondence between a measurement and that which is being measured. Reliability is the reproducibility of the measurement uh, for independent trials, given everyone's following the same kind of method. And she points out, a measurement that is neither valid or um, is unreliable cannot be considered accurate. Uh, informants may reliably report invalid information, that is, or consistency uh, up here uh, between um, informants, but, and they're hence inaccurate uh, in information. So um, those are some uh, kind of good points. And uh, in, in the old days, we would say, you know, uh, for statistical analysis, um, Garbage in, garbage out. Uh, bad data analyzed uh, sophisticatedly, you know, leads to results that are unreliable and invalid. Um, other findings: there's virtually no agreement of recall and observational data, uh, either for each of the individuals or sample statistics. Uh, and so, the the as you read the study, there's uh, pretty much no correspondence uh, between uh, the recall and the observational data. And what you discover there's this kind of rounding rule that people use, and this is important, uh, suckling duration is reported in five-minute units when, in fact, women often nurse for only two, two to three minutes. So you get these kind of arbitrary, you know, about five minutes when, in fact, it's less than that. But then, again, um, uh, using this method of, of, of recall, might be very difficult um, because people, I think, naturally would round it. Um, overestimation is also very common. Suckling duration of 30 minutes are frequently reported, but almost never observed. This is um, more interesting. Uh, and so the, um, uh, there's this uh, duration of, of, of 30 minutes um, that, uh, you know, is, is in, in terms of the total um, uh, episodes of, of nursing, um, uh, you know, the, uh, between intercessions, and, you know, that's a pretty uh, amazing kind of error. And the daily frequency is under underestimated 
in, in reports. That is, if you look at the observation, they're actually nursing more frequently uh, than they said they were. Um, so, what are some of the implications? We need to find ways to reduce inaccurate informant reports. Maybe we have to redesign the study. Maybe we have to give the moms watches. Maybe we have to ask the questions differently. Maybe we have to use multiple methods. Uh, but it may be the case that the researcher cannot adequately uh, even train informants. Now, this is something that struck me uh, in that perhaps if she would have spent some time with her informants, training them about the kind of information that she wanted and asking them to be sensitive about duration and frequency, perhaps the um, uh, responses would have been more accurate and would have um, uh, more closely matched what she was able to uh, observe. Um, so, and she also knows that the nature of the behavior may lead to underreporting. For example, common, casual, and non-reflective uh, behaviors like nursing a child, since nursing is on demand, is kind of habitual, uh, you're barely conscious of it. And as a consequence, asking people to report on things uh, that uh, they take for granted are very common and frequent, you may get, you know, wildly inaccurate estimates. And then, you know, again, as I mentioned before, a large sample does not yield meaningful uh, data, garbage in, garbage out kind of, um, kind of perspective. So, um, these are some of the um, uh, kinds of lessons uh, that, that um, was learned in this one kind of study. And I would say it's really important for researchers who collect similar kinds of data uh, to really, you know, have good discussions about uh, how their um, data was collected. And it's also important that journals, uh, when they do present um, information that's behavioral in nature in terms of whether it's based on an informant's recall or an observer's um, uh, view uh, of that behavior, that they become really explicit um, in the methods sections uh, to help everybody out to lead to uh, better methods. Um, so the assignment for module three, after all that, is kind of unrelated to what we've gone through uh, here, but what we've gone through here will be relevant uh, for other modules, but um, please read the time diary and uh, time diary analyses uh, um, posted by your peers in module two, and critically analyze the techniques your peers use to gain clarification from their subjects, record sequential behavior, and make coding decisions. Uh, note the techniques that you thought were were useful, and so you're all in, encountering this, this this new method of, of collecting data on time diaries. Uh, you all had different reactions, you all had different kinds of, um, um, of problems, and uh, so take a look at what your peers uh, wrote and uh, do a kind of critical analysis, especially looking at uh, problems you uh, had in common and uh, solutions uh, that um, you thought were useful uh, when the data was uh, collected and, and elicited, and um, you know, I'll write this up for the um, assignment for Module 3.